Hebrews 12, 1-3 Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So, as I was preparing to lead the service this week, I felt drawn to the first few verses of Hebrews 12, where the Christian life is compared to running a race. The initial idea I had was that by the end of January, we would all be weary of being in lockdown. So being reminded to persevere, as Jesus had, might be appropriate. The problem I had was that when I looked at and studied those three verses, I found that there was so much more in them than what I had initially thought So we are going to do things a little bit differently this morning by splitting the sermon into three parts and each talk will focus upon a different part of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. So to begin, we'll start with verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Cast your mind back with me to a summer's day in the 1980s, to a school sports day. On the grassy bank, there were chairs set out where families could come to watch and cheer on their children. On the opposite side of the field, the school children sit in their house colours, watching to see if the runner from their house would finish first and to help them win the house cup. The writer of Hebrews tells us that there is a cloud of witnesses to the race that we are running. But who are these witnesses? Verse 1 begins with the word, therefore. And as Charles has often said, what is it therefore? If you turn back to Hebrews chapter 11, we will find who this cloud of witnesses is. This passage is a well-known chapter all about people of faith. The writer mentions well-known names such as Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and highlights how their faith directed their steps. He lists many people from familiar Bible stories and how it was their faith that conquered kingdoms, administered justice, shut the mouths of lions, and whose weaknesses were turned into strength. The writer also goes on to say that others had faced persecution, torture, even death, although they were commended for their faith. These are the cloud of witnesses. So parents, watching their child complete in a race on sports day will cheer them on and encourage them to keep going, probably remembering when they were in their shoes too. 
These witnesses from Hebrews chapter 11 have already run their race and are an encouragement to us through the good times and the hard times that we face by the examples of their life. Unlike the original audience of the book of Hebrews, we also have another 2,000 years of examples to follow, including the apostles as well as a whole host of Christians down the centuries. Some of the worship songs chosen for today are traditional hymns, but these show us that Christians before us have also been running the race and faced similar difficulties to us. So, back to that sports day in the 1980s and up I step to compete in the next race, where the aim is to cross the finishing line wearing as many pieces of clothing as you can. Items that are designed to slow me down and make it harder for me to complete the race. A race designed more for the amusement of the people watching, I think, similar to the old game show, It's a Knockout. It's not about speed. I can still remember the difficulty of trying to run in adult-sized Wellington boots. But unlike what I had to do in that race... The writer of Hebrews urges us to throw off anything that will slow us down, whether it is old habits, self-indulgences or habitual sin. When we became a Christian, we were forgiven, but we're not yet perfect. We are a new creation, but can find it hard to let some of our old ways go. We can even pick things up along the way as we run the race Things on the sidelines that we think might make the journey more interesting or easier than only to find that in truth these things can make the race so much harder to run. We are running this race for the rest of our lives and sometimes it isn't going to be easy, especially when we don't know the route, we don't know how many ups and downs there are going to be or when we will reach the finishing line. Surely it is better as much as we are able to travel light. Hebrews was written to a generation of Christians who had started their race with enthusiasm and commitment. But life had become extremely challenging. Some of them had been put in prison. Some of them had lost possessions and some of them had been banned from their hometown or city. In this context, some of them had grown weary and had lost heart and were at risk of giving up their Christian faith and returning to a more comfortable uh, Jewish tradition. Our Bible reading today, as Kathy has said, comes from the final chapters of Hebrews, uh, which follow three themes. Kathy has already mentioned chapter 11 as the hall of faith, with over 18 named individuals who were heroes and inspiration to us in our faith. Chapter 12 focuses on the theme of hope, and chapter 13 concludes with love. So when running a race, like Kai, just running up the dock there on that steep hill, where should our focus be? You don't look at yourself, you don't look at the other athletes, and you don't look at the obstacles that get in your way. 
The Bible tells us that we should fix our eyes upon Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, I, I thought it was a bit like when Kate mentioned last week being surrounded by a crowd in London. The word of encouragement that she received was to look up, look up to give you a sense of uh, perspective and space. Uh, in that same way, looking to Jesus will calm, comfort and guide us. Also last week, Jesus, um, Charles talked in, in his Bible talk um, that Jesus didn't avoid uh, the pressure and strains of life, but he made sure that he was internally equipped and, and strong enough to deal with them. And there are a number of ways in which he did that. So do give it a listen if you've missed. Um, I'd really recommend it. So when running a marathon, I've heard, because I've never run one myself, <laughs> that it's much easier to start than to finish. And um, it's interesting this morning, because you all get to be in your lounges at home, that we've created our own lounge here at the front of church. And I'm sitting in a particularly special chair, because it is a chair that is uh, dedicated uh, to the memory of the most cheerful and persistent and faithful runner that I think I've ever met, and that is Rob Wood. The hardest part of running a marathon, I think, or, or I've been told, is when you encounter uh, around mile 19. Uh, and, and that's often what's referred to as the wall. Um, interestingly enough, though, when I talked about this with my home group this week, uh, there was one story of a marathon runner linked to the group, um, who shall remain nameless, who hit mile 19 and... Um, ran into some family members who were enjoying a picnic and I'm not sure whether they actually partook of a pasty but there was certainly a hint that they might have done. <laughs> um, the great thing about running the race of faith is that Jesus does more than cheer you on from the sidelines or wait for you at the finish line. He is there beside you every single step of the way. And do you know that the toughest marathons, often called ultra-marathons, are run in particularly challenging places, such as uh, the coastline of Cornwall, with all its ups and downs, or in places of extreme climate, like the desert. And, and the deserts are also a, a picture of, of Christian endurance in the Bible. Uh, Jesus spent 40 days um, before in, in the desert before he was tempted, gathering strength and discipline for what was to come. And, and Charles will be talking more about this in, in his talk next week. The great thing about the race that we are running and how we can maintain perseverance is also from the company and the fellowship of other Christians. We are part of the body of Christ, so we're surrounded by family, whether we're able to see them or meet with them or not. And as Jesus himself offers to accompany us, then we have everything that we need in order to sustain ourselves. 
one of the verses that particularly struck me in the Bible passage this week was the one that mentions um, how Jesus endured the, the shame of the cross for the joy that was set before him. And, and I couldn't quite get my head around what this meant. Uh, so let me be quite clear that the, jo- uh, the cross was in no way a joy. We know that Jesus' reaction in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, that he didn't relish, uh, relish crucifixion, but he also understood that there was no other way. The Roman crucifixion was designed to be the most uh, grueling, the most humiliating, and the most excruciating form of capital punishment. Jesus wore a crown of thorns that was meant to mock him. He was naked. The soldiers had uh, cast lots for his clothes. He was mocked uh, continually by the crowd. And he was deserted by all of his friends. I cannot imagine a harder journey to have to make than the one that he did on that day. So the joy that he experienced was not in the cross, but what lay beyond it. Knowing that his actions opened access for all Christians to have a direct relationship with the creator of the world and the promise of a better and lasting life beyond this present one. I thought it was interesting to think that in the same way that we are uh, watched or or there's a picture in this verse about being watched and encouraged by a, a crowd of witnesses, that maybe when Jesus was um, on the cross, the joy that he saw was in that redeemed group of people. Maybe that's the crowd that he saw in that moment on the cross. And maybe what made him be able to go through with it was that he could see your face. And your face alone was worth the punishment that he paid. Uh, Now, this is just my idea and just my musing, but I think it's an interesting one. So the book of Hebrews concludes with a picture of two mountains. The first one, Mount Sinai, represents uh, the Old Covenant. So that's where Moses received the Ten Commandments, which were the rules that Christians or, or, or early Christians needed to follow Jewish needed to follow in order to be right with God. The second mountain that we see in that final chapter is a different mountain. It's called Mount Zion. And that's a picture of of the new covenant. Um, It's what Jesus achieved by his death and resurrection on the cross. Mount Zion is the city of the living of uh, a city of the living God where one day all believers in Christ will be free from the stresses and strains of this life to enjoy the company of the one who loves us beyond measure and who died that we might live. So if you find yourself in a desert today or if you're hitting that wall at mile 19, then take heart, fix your eyes upon Jesus Take encouragement from other Christians, his people, and get rid of the things that will hold you back and keep running towards his perfect and just kingdom. And um, 
Not surprisingly, the third part of the talk is from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. I've done it from two versions. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In the message version, it says, When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility which Jesus ploughed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. So upon looking upon this verse, I felt it important that I should look up the meaning, uh, the meaning of consider, which is, I find, to think carefully about something, typically before making a decision, or to look attentively at. So we are each of us encouraged strongly to study carefully and look attentively at Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. How he dealt with and overcame everything that he went through. The writer of Hebrews clearly wants us to understand that when the struggles in your life get difficult, when the pain you face is very real, when the persecution is intense, and when the suffering seems too much to bear, it is vital that we fix our eyes on Jesus, who went through far more suffering than each of us could ever imagine. So when you feel weary and are flagging, struggling in your faith, don't give up. Would you say that your suffering is harder or easier than the cross? Is there anything or anyone that you or I would actually die for? Yet despite all the hardships and sufferings none of us could ever begin to imagine fully, Jesus got through it. As Carrie mentioned earlier, he was beaten, flogged, spat upon, whipped, mocked, tortured and ultimately died on a cross for you and for me. Despite the fact that he had done nothing wrong at all throughout his life on earth. Jesus could have quit at any time, but he didn't, as he faithfully followed God's plan for salvation. Ultimately, Jesus had his eyes fixed firmly on the prize at the end of it all to rescue those who put their trust in him. However, I'm not trying to trivialise what each of us may go through. But we do need, in the midst of our suffering, a little perspective. Yes, I'm sure it's very bad. It might be far worse than anything you've known before. It may be far worse than anyone around you has ever experienced. But it will never be worse than our Saviour Jesus faced on the cross. He did not quit, and neither should we. It's vital in our sufferings that we do not grow weary and lose heart, that we fix our eyes upon Jesus and that we deal with suffering as he did. Is there anyone that you and I know at present who is enduring suffering that we can encourage, especially while we're living through this pandemic of the present time? 
As Carrie mentioned, each of our lives is just like a race, but it's not a sprint. We are told to go the distance. We have to reach the finish line, and it's vital we each finish that race. It's not the start that's important, but to actually reach the finish line. And I still clearly remember a talk a visiting missionary gave at my old church where the message of of the service was to Christians keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. And she repeated those two words more than 20 times. I'm sure that we can think of people who started the race by becoming a Christian and putting their trust in Jesus, only to fall away when the going got tough. As Christians, we are assured that tough times will happen, not may happen, but they will happen, and that we are not exempt from them. But God can mould us as we go through them. As Carrie said, I'm also told, as I've never run a long-distance race, that there is a point where, when running one, you hit the pain barrier, and it's hard to get through this. As a Christian, it's important to be encouraged by all of those who've gone before and claimed the prize. Throwing off the sin that hinders us, as Kathy mentioned, the baggage that hinders us. But when we, the going gets tough, we need to firmly fix our eyes upon Jesus. The difference, though, between the Christian life and a race is in a race, usually only the winner gets the prize. But as Christians, each of us, when we finish this race, gets the prize of spending eternity with God and our Saviour Jesus. We are also promised an eternity without pain or sorrow. So let's remember the sorrow and pain we go through now, we won't have when we're in eternity with Jesus. A few verses later in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7, it says in the message version, God is educating you. That is why you must never drop out. He's treating you as his dear children. This trouble you are in isn't punishment, it's training, the normal experience of children. We must remember that as Christians, we are God's children who he loves dearly and unconditionally. We need to discipline ourselves to read his word more, as Kai mentioned in his testimony and to walk closely beside his son Jesus as he walks with us through life. He will walk, he promises, with us every step if we only just ask him to. I was reminded of the words of this old hymn. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. So we need to trust and to obey, for there is no other way to successfully finish the race. Let each of us undertake to ensure that we finish this race and fix our eyes upon Jesus, the ultimate prize. We hunger for the day when with Christ we stand in glory. Amen. Let us uh, now pray. Lord Jesus, when we grow weary, please give us your Holy Spirit to give us the strength to get through. 
and help us turn to you, to trust you and your eternal plans for us. Throughout each of our lives, help us to obey your will for our lives. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.